I want to preach this morning on the armor bearer. The armor bearer. There are actually a handful of passages in the Old Testament that speak of the armor bearer. The phrase, the actual Greek phrase for armor bearer is literally the one carrying the armor. He often carried a large shield and some other weapons. And you will find that the armor bearer was assigned a person of military influence. Might have been a king. We see a armor bearer assigned to a commander in chief. Second Samuel 23. An armor bearer assigned to a captain in 1 Samuel here, 14. A champion, as was called Goliath in 1 Samuel 17. All warriors of distinction had an armor bearer. The primary reason for that being that in the place of war, a general, a king, a commander-in-chief would be the... uh, you know, like the best person to attack. And so they would try to provide this person with a basically personal bodyguard, might be one way to look at it. And he was called the armor bearer. You'll remember that King Saul had an armor bearer, and when Saul was about to die, he didn't want the enemy to kill him, so he wanted his armor bearer to kill him, and the armor bearer refused, and so Saul fell on his own sword. The armor bearer was a person whose job was literally to fight alongside another. The armor bearer had to be brave, had to be trained, had to be capable, and was a man of war who stood alongside and helped other men of war. In a natural sense, this person... and. An odd term, I'd never heard the term until studying this, was an adjutant. It's a commanding officer, or it's one who helps a commanding officer with administrative affairs. One who helps, a helper, to give help, to give strength or support. A military adjutant is a military officer who assists superior officers. The Easton Bible Dictionary says that an armor bearer was an officer selected by generals and kings because of his bravery, not only to bear their armor, but also to stand by them in a time of danger. They were the adjutants of our modern armies. I want to talk this morning, I want to preach this morning on the armor bearer the need for armor bearers in our lives, and the need for us to be armor bearers alongside our brothers and sisters when they are engaged in battle. And I want us to look at three main things that we learn about the armor bearer. Number one this morning, note that great battles require great armor bearers. Great battles require great armor bearers. These armor bearers were meant to go alongside in the place of war 
when there was a very real possibility that who they were alongside was going to die. They're going to get the king. They're going to get the commander in chief. We're going into a place where the bottom line is, I need backup. You and I need to know that there are times in our life that we need backup. That God did not design us to fight our battles alone, but that we need each other. And that we need to be able to be called upon in someone else's time of need. Now this morning, I want to, before really getting to the heart of my message, I want to address something that needs addressed. Armor bearers were assigned to like high-ranking officers. So not everybody had an armor bearer. Now the obvious reason for this is that the officers were of high target. And so because they were going to be targeted more than others, it was important that they had extra help around them, that they had an armor bearer who not only helped carry extra weapons, but was highly capable of using those same weapons. The same thing is true today in a spiritual sense of the church. That if our enemy can attack spiritual leaders, it has a greater capacity to cause confusion and pain and destruction in the church. Consequently, as a church, we need to be praying for our spiritual leaders, supporting our spiritual leaders, looking for ways to come alongside them as armor bearers so that they don't get caught in a, in a situation where they become wounded and they wound others. I promise, promise, there's nothing going on this morning, folks. Promise. But I, I want to make an analogy, and I want you to see it. Could you imagine if you showed up this morning after reading in this morning's paper that your pastor, me, had just been caught in a scandal, had had an affair on my wife, and was not who I've said I've been all these years? It would hurt you. You would be impacted spiritually this morning if that were true. Point being, that when the enemy can get to those that are leading others, it has a greater impact on the whole. Those of us that are tasked with the position of being in leadership, we need to be utterly conscious of that. We need to be aware of that. We need to make, live our lives in such a way that not only are we living above reproach, but we are not ignorant of the truth that we are high-level targets. There are certain things that I've done in my own personal life to, to try to be conscious of this and, and stay out of positions where the enemy would have a foothold. I almost never meet with a woman alone. There are a lot of you ladies here that have needed to meet with me, and you know we meet with me and my wife. And in the rare times, like Jesus meeting with the woman at the well, when it absolutely, there's just no other way, we do it on camera. That's just one example that I can point to of, of trying to be conscious that we have an enemy that wants to steal, kill, and destroy 
Brothers and sisters, our enemy is ruthless. And he is out to hurt, he is out to wound. Now, I want to challenge you to be praying and, and, and have that, that armor bearer spirit concerning your spiritual leaders. That said, I want us to look at the personal application this morning. That's what this morning's message is about, is really the personal application. Because here's the truth. While it is true that spiritual leaders are going to be targeted in a greater capacity, it does not mean that you're not going to be targeted ever. The reality is every one of us at some point in time are going to face some pretty fierce spiritual battles where the enemy's trying to get you to question everything you believe. The enemy's trying to get you to turn from your faith in God. The enemy's trying to entice you to sin. The enemy's trying to do everything he can to destroy your life and get you to give up on God. Every one of us at some point or another are going to face a battle like that. And it is in that time that we must understand we need armor bearers in our life who can come alongside us in that battle and help us fight the fight. If the greatest warriors needed help when they were targeted, what makes you and I think we're going to be any different? You need to understand that one of the enemy's primary tactics in trying to destroy your life is to isolate you. It's what he wants to do. He wants to isolate. It's harder to beat two. It's harder to beat three or four. The enemy wants to isolate us. And here's, here's the tragic truth is that all too many Christians in their time of battle, when things are going wrong, rather than going to some armor bearers, some strong spiritual heroes of the faith, people they know that are living right with God, that are going to tell them the, the truth they need to hear, rather than going there, they tend to shrink back away in their time of battle. We're embarrassed. We don't even know we're struggling. Year ago, I was on fire. Year ago, I was this. But what the last couple months have looked like so bad, I don't want anybody to know about it. Listen, listen to the preacher this morning. You're not the only one. You're not. All of us go through moments of weakness. And you must know that in that time of battle, that place of spiritual battle, when you're feeling weak and you're feeling ashamed and you're feeling like you failed, the worst thing you can do is try to do it all by yourself. I've already told you that your enemy is ruthless. And you need to know that when you are weak and when you are feeling like you are about to fall over and you don't know how long you can do this, you need to know something. The devil doesn't just sit back and think, well, that's kind of sad. I ought to give him a break. <laughs> he pounces. He smells blood in the water. He knows you're weak. And so now he's going to come even harder. And he's going to do everything he can to get you to sin against God, to deny your faith, to make decisions you're going to regret. What I'm trying to tell you this morning, brothers and sisters, if you are going to be a victorious warrior for God, you have to understand that you need armor bearers in your life. I have watched so many that 
they really wanted to succeed, but they were too foolish and too prideful, is really what it is, to surround themselves with the right people in their time of need. You know, sometimes um, it's just the way it is. No matter how many times I try to tell you or you hear, you know, your spiritual leaders tell you we're just like you, sometimes people just don't get it. But I'll tell you it a thousand times again, we are just like you. I'm not standing here today with 20 years of successful Christian living, 20, you know, almost, 20, almost 15, 16 years of, of successful pastoring above reproach. I'm not standing here because I'm so strong and that I did it all alone. There have been times in my life when I absolutely needed armor bearers to come along beside me, speak truth to me, help me keep my mind straight, help me keep my heart straight. Sometimes those armor bearers in my life, they come in the form of Christian therapist. There's probably folks, you need to hear that this morning. Your pastor has had to have some therapy thanks to you. <laughs> if you don't mind reimbursing me for the cost of it. I'll take donations afterwards. Sometimes it's in that form. Sometimes it's in the form of some of my fellow uh, workers here, pastors and deacons, just letting them know where I'm at. And we're praying, we're talking, and we're encouraging one another. Sometimes it's in the form of other pastors that, that I'm close to that know the struggles that I deal with. And sometimes these armor bearers come alongside me and they just support me and they encourage me. But listen to me, sometimes they've got to look me in the eyes and say, you're just wrong, man. That's the deal. I had a dear friend of mine that, I, that plays part of this role in my life. Several years ago, I was ha having an issue here at the church. I wasn't really handling it the right way. I was kind of being a coward about it, to tell you the truth. I didn't want to handle it. I just wanted to fix itself. And so I'm telling him about it. And I'm just like, here, what do you think we need to do? And he says, what you need to do is go home and fix it right away. I, I got like a minute and a half in. He's like, well, that has to stop. And you know better. And he was right. And I had to be willing to listen to a little bit of rebuke. You'll find those are really the two main reasons we don't want armor bearers in our life. Either one, we're too embarrassed and we don't want to be honest about what our need is. Or number two, we don't really want somebody to tell us the truth. Because you will find in the place of battle, brothers and sisters, hear me out on this. In the place of battle, when our faith is being tested, when our world is being rocked, often we are part of the problem. It's not always all us. Sometimes it is, but rarely is that the case. It's normally this combo of stuff, but I'm often part of the problem. My thinking is wrong. My attitude is wrong. My heart is wrong. And I need somebody to tell me that. If all of the people in your life that supposedly help you spiritually do nothing but just tell you you're right all the time, you're right all the time, you're right all the time, everybody else is wrong, everybody else is wrong, you need to get some better people in your life to help you win your spiritual battles because there ain't any of us that are right all the time. There's only one, and that man is Jesus. And we need people who are willing to tell us the truth. You need to understand the devil's goal in destroying your life starts with getting you isolated. 
because we are stronger, we are more victorious, we are better when we are together. So I ask you the question, who stands beside you in your time of battle? Number two this morning, the armor bearer must be trained and ready for battle. Trained and ready. He had to be skilled and capable. Hey, when we need protection, I mean, when we are under attack, the last thing I want to do is have somebody alongside me that's constantly needing me to help them along. Like, I'm in battle right now. That's what we're talking about is battle. And I need the people in my life when I'm in battle to be able to grab the sword themselves and show some strength themselves and help me through. And so the armor bearer needs to be skilled, he needs to be capable, needs to be ready, needs to be prepared. And you know what I see in in this this culture that we live in? It is such a me-first culture, such a selfish culture. Me, 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 me. That many people look at their faith like, you know, I know it could be better, but I'm okay with where it's at. Like, I know that I'm saved, and really, there's some things in my life that need to change, but I'm okay with where I'm at. An armor bearer can't live with that mindset. Now, we're talking war here, folks. We're talking broken homes. We're talking broken marriages. We're talking... We're talking real wounds. We're talking an enemy that is out to steal, kill, and destroy. And you know what we can't do when we're called upon in the time of battle? It's that, oh, so there's a war today? Hold on a second. I'm going to run to training school, and I'm going to get ready, and I'm going to figure out how to use all this armor, and then I'll come back and help. You don't know when battle's going to hit. You don't know. This is true in your own life. Like, you need to be prepared for spiritual battles in your own life. But if we are going to be the type of men and women that can be counted upon by our brothers and our sisters and our families and our neighbors in their time of need, then you and I must be prepared and ready before the battle ever happens. I remember reading a statement from uh, one of our, you know, the old fathers of the faith. And this is basically what he said. That he wanted to live so close to God and be so right with God that at any given moment, simply walking into a room could change somebody's life. It's a statement that stuck with me. I just, I, I, and honestly, as soon as I read it, I'm like, I want to be that guy. That's what I want to do. I want to be the type of person that whoever answers the phone on the other end, simply talking to me could change their life. But if you're going to be that person, you got to be ready. You got to be prepared. You can't wait and go get spiritual later. I want you to listen to your preacher this morning. Listen, I I don't always do a good job of it. There are times I don't feel ready. I had a brother call upon me for help about two weeks ago with the situation. I wasn't ready. If I wasn't so convicted about it, I would have just said no. No. Not because I didn't want to help. You have to understand something. I knew I wasn't in a position to help. I knew I was just going to be a body filling up space because I wasn't where I needed to be spiritually. I wasn't ready. 
And take it from somebody who has had a lot of spiritual battles that I've won. Take it from somebody who's watched the supernatural hand of God work through my life. Somebody who has seen the dead raised, the sick healed. Miracles happen. You do have to be prepared. Occasionally I hear people try to talk me out of the things that I said. Like, God's still God. He is still God. Then why aren't you healing anybody? He is still God. How come you're not doing the works of God? You got to be ready. You got to be prepared for battle. We have a responsibility to one another. To lay down this kind of me mindset, what do I get out of it, and realize, man, there is a world, brothers and sisters, that is under attack. The church is under attack. God's people are under attack. The home is under attack. The things that even our children are being brought up and having to process and try to figure out the confusion of life at such a young age. The things are having to process in this era of time as in never before. I'm telling you there is an all-out attack on humanity. And we must be ready and prepared for battle. We must be well trained. We must be well equipped. Sometimes the battle will be your own. But sometimes you're going to be the armor bearer. And either way, you need to be ready to be called upon. Be available. Be in position. Be willing. Early on in my life, like, I knew what God had called me to do as a Christian early on in my Christian experience. Like, I'm 21, 22 years old, but, but I didn't know how I was going to get there. And I'll never forget this truth of just being prepared, being positioned. It's not a, uh, <laughs> this is the statement the Lord used in my life. It's not a prosperity statement. It's not a prosperity gospel statement, but this was the, the statement. Be prepared to prosper. And it was like, Joplin, if you really believe that God's called you to be a preacher, then you need to be studying like you're one. What, are you going to wait until you get a job and then start studying? Are you going to try to convince somebody that if they'll hire you as a pastor down the road, you'll start studying the Word of God then? If you believe that's what you're called to do, position yourself to do it. Start living like it. Start acting like it. Start being that man. And then as you're positioned that way, you'll find God will prosper you that way. The same thing is true here concerning spiritual battle, brothers and sisters. We got to be positioned. We got to be ready. We've got to be prepared. And you need people in your life who are. I ask again, who are the people in your life that are true armor bearers for you? And a note to those of you who say, well, I don't have anybody by my side. Well, did you ask for help? Did you tell the truth about your battles? Or do you just expect somehow people to have superhuman powers to know what you're going through and somehow come alongside and help fight? I mean, you've got to be willing to tell people the truth. Can you imagine? I mean, we're talking life and death. And we're going to see here in a moment, the battle we're talking about is way more fierce, way more important, and way more significant than simply flesh and blood battles. But could you imagine that it was a flesh and blood battle, that you and I were going to go to war together, and you were going to be my armor bearer? 
And you say, all right, tell me what's going on. And I say, well, I, I don't want to give you any details. Let's just march out here in the danger of battle, and, and you just trust me that I need your help. Well, I do trust you that you need my help. But I'm not going to go help if you don't tell me what I'm going to do. Like, we need a strategy here. This is war. What's the battle about? What enemy are you facing? Because I need to be part of the strategy on how to beat this enemy, and you're not even going to tell me what the enemy is. No, you're not actually allowing me to be an armor bearer at all. You'll find a lot of people that say, well, I don't have anybody beside me. Well, you don't honestly, you don't tell people the truth. You don't ask for help. You don't ask for prayer. You put your little, you know, Facebook blast out there, uh, prayers please, facing something, can't mention what it is. Listen, to date, I've never known a single person in the battle of their life that put out a little vague prayer request on Facebook that ended up getting the help they needed. And if you did... Get with me afterwards and let me know. Pastor, it worked, man. I was in the battle of my life. My faith was about to cave. I put out a little vague Facebook prayer request and everything changed. Let me know afterwards and I will recant my view next week. See, I'm talking about real spiritual battles. And I've watched so many Christians get frustrated in the place of battle, feel like they're all alone, and a big part of it is it's their own fault. They don't want to be honest. They don't tell people the truth about what's going on. And like I've already said, sometimes they're just not willing to hear. They, they don't want to be told. They know there's some stuff in their own life they need to repent of, and it's part of the problem, and they know it. And so they're not going to go to strong armor bearers that are going to tell them the truth that are living right for God. Now, I pray that somebody, I pray that most of us this morning will allow this truth to get down in your spirit and in your soul and settle there forever. This is the path to spiritual victory, folks. There is no other way. You can't do it on your own. God didn't design you to do it on your own. And those of us that have been doing this for years successfully and that have come out battle after battle after battle after battle after battle again, still standing victoriously to fight the next one, we will all tell you the God-given truth. We can't do this alone. We need armor bearers. And if you'll stop trying to do it all by yourself, keeping all your struggles secret, trying to handle it on your own, if you'll stop it and start doing it God's way, you'll find that you end up being a whole lot more victorious. We just got to lay down the pride. Like we all fail, brothers and sisters. We all have moments of weakness. None of us are capable of fighting every spiritual battle that comes our way without the help of our brothers and sisters. God just didn't design it to work that way. We need one another. I often think about it in the perspective as well of, you know, two eyes are better than one. I, I look through a certain lens. There's a certain way that Joplin Emerson looks. I see things in a certain way. And it helps when I'm viewing a battle, looking at something I'm going through. It helps for me to have somebody else that has a different perspective of it. Say, so, well, I see what you're saying, but kind of when I look at it from over here, I think you're being kind of a baby. I've had friends tell me that. I've had armor bearers tell me that. 
I'm telling you, I, I promise you this, Joplin Emerson lives what I'm preaching this morning. Because I care about winning the battle spiritually, and I care about ending up where God wants me to be. At a time I was, you would not believe this is possible, but Andrea and I, every now and then, we don't always get along. She's going to love this. She's looking at me with, wait, where's this going? And I did have a time, I was mad about something. I called one of my armor bearers and I said, here's what's going on and here's how I'm feeling and here's how I'm acting. The man of God said, you know what? You're just being a big baby. That's what he said. He said, you need to grow up and you need to obey the word of God and get back in there and love your wife. Those are the type of armor bearers you need in your life in a place of battle that aren't afraid to tell you the truth about where you're at and what you need to change. And you will find that your flesh nature despises it. You want somebody to tell you you got every reason to feel the way you feel, to do what you do, to act the way, oh, if I was in your shoes, I'd be even acting worse than you're acting. Get you a different armor bearer. Do you want to win spiritually? Do you, want to, do you want to win the battle of faith in your life? Do you want to honor God with your living? Do you want to find a way? Because we're all going to battle. I wish I could tell you we aren't, but we are. This is a war, brothers and sisters. Number three. The armor of our battles is spiritual armor. We're talking about spiritual warfare this morning. Not talking about getting tough. Not talking about pushing people around. We're not talking about that type of stuff. We're talking about spiritual warfare. And I want you to turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6 as we conclude with what spiritual armor looks like. And I want us to look at spiritual armor this morning in the context of being an armor bearer. Not necessarily, yeah, we need to put these things on, but if an armor bearer is to carry the armor of his brother or his sister in their time of need, we need to be carrying these things to help put them on our brothers and sisters. And I want us to look at it this morning from that angle. First of all, we see the battle mentioned in verse 10 of Ephesians 6, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. Notice the whole armor. We need it all. It's not enough to have your favorite, you know, it's like I've got a life verse. I'm okay if you have a life verse as long as that's not the only verse you have. Like, we've got a, I'm a person of prayer, but I don't study the word. Well, that's just, it's good that you pray, but you need to be studying the Word as well. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't never really developed a prayer life, but man, I study the Word like crazy. Well, do you believe the Word you study like crazy? Because it tells you you need to be praying, you know, but we need to be well-rounded. And it says if we're going to stand, that we need the whole armor of God, not parts of it, not pieces of it. Now look at verse 12. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. This is not who our battle is against. Listen who it is against. But against the rulers, against the authorities, 
against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Brothers and sisters, this battle is far more serious than a battle of flesh and blood. It's far more dangerous. Its consequences are much further reaching. This battle literally has eternal consequences. This is serious. Yes, we better be prepared and ready. He says again, Therefore, take up the whole armor of God, that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all to stand firm. So let's look at what spiritual armor looks like this morning. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth. The belt on the attire of the Roman soldier would actually go through pieces of the, uh, of the attire, the pants, the breastplate, all of it. It would hold it together. And I think there's this analogy here that without the belt of truth, most of the rest of the armor doesn't work. It falls off. So I think the belt of truth, as I do the breastplate of righteousness, I think it has a dual application. First, to the individual. You must be a man or a woman of truth. I'm going to tell you something about the tr- being a Christian fighting spiritual battles. If you are a hypocrite, and you know it, you're not fighting sin off in your life. You make excuses for your sinful behavior. If you're a hypocrite, you're going to find it's almost impossible to truly develop faith in your heart. Like you'll say the right things, you can quote all the scriptures, you can talk about grace and the blood of Jesus, but if you are living as a hypocrite, you'll find that all the rest of the pieces just fall off. We have to be who we say we are. And as I've already stated, sometimes in that place of the fiercest battle, there's some change that needs to happen in our own lives. Where part of the battle is, I need to change. Part of the battle is, the reason I'm here is that I have, I've been living like a hypocrite. I haven't been resisting the devil. I haven't been fleeing from sin. I haven't been pursuing holiness. I haven't been pursuing righteousness. I've just been coming up with all these excuses for why I don't have to turn to God with all of my heart. Well, you have got to repent. And you've got to be true. You want to do the rest of this? You want to move on past all this? You have got to have your belt fastened with truth. And you've got to be who you say you are. Now, as an armor bearer, I've got to come alongside somebody in their place of battle, and I've got to have enough integrity to be willing to say that. Right? I want to equip them to be wearers of truth. I can't just put something under the carpet because we're good friends, and I love you, and you love me, and we're going to battle together. I, listen, if I'm honestly going to battle with you, and we're truly going to be battling the enemy together, that puts me in danger. And I don't want to be doing this alongside you if you're not going to be a person of integrity and a person of truth because it's not going to help. Now, I think that 
the, the, the belt of truth has an application there to how we live, that we are true. I also believe, though, it is a reference to Jesus Christ as the truth. Jesus said these words, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life. And you will find that we must know the truth in the place of battle. Whatever he says is above all. Whatever God has declared, whatever Christ has declared, whatever the word has declared, it is above all. It is the truth. And I must allow that truth to hold everything together. My actions, my words, my deeds, my planning, all of it must be held together by the truth of Jesus Christ. Next, we see the breastplate of righteousness. Having put on the breastplate of righteousness, that breastplate which protects the heart, Again, I believe truth and righteousness that they're, they're tied together. And I think there's a dual application to both of them. That breastplate of righteousness, it does apply to you as the individual. Like God has called us to be holy as he is holy, to pursue holiness, to pursue righteousness. And so there needs to be a degree of righteousness that we demonstrate in our living. There should be a degree of righteousness that when those around us examine our life, they see a life that is righteous and that it is in right standing with God and that it, it, it represents the God with whom we are in a relationship with. I have a responsibility to walk in righteousness. And as an armor bearer, if I want to help you in your time of need, I must be willing to come alongside you and remind you that God has called you to holiness. And God has called you to be set apart. God has called you to be different than the world. And if you're going to be spiritually victorious, you must be willing to live a righteous life in the sight of God and in the sight of the world. The flip side of that is, that no matter how holy we do live, our righteousness is not because of how good we do works. Our righteousness, the Bible uses the word imputed. It's as if God just imparted it into us, supernaturally put righteousness into us because of the work of the cross. Jesus took upon our curse and his righteousness was given to us. And I have to remember that in my time, especially in the time of battle, when I am doing the best I can and I know I'm still weak. When I'm doing the best I can and I, I know I'm still fighting the flesh nature. I'm having thoughts I shouldn't have thought. I'm having feelings I shouldn't be feeling. And, and, and sometimes I even get weak enough that I fall and I sin and, and I, I'm not Jesus. I have to remember in those moments that my right standing with God is not because of Joplin's ability to never think a bad thought. It's not because of Joplin's ability to always be ready at every time to be a spiritual man. Because I don't do it. It's not because of Joplin's ability to never sin. The reason I'm righteous with God is because the blood of Jesus is sufficient to cleanse me of all my sins. 
And it's in that place of battle when I'm feeling weak and I'm feeling like I've failed and I'm not sure I can make it. I've got to remind myself that I stand right with God and I am God's son and he is my father because of the righteousness of Christ that has been imputed to me. And you'll find as an armor bearer, there are times you got to come up alongside people in their time of battle because it's in that place of battle that we start doubting ourselves, we start questioning ourselves, we start thinking, you know, there's no way I can get through this. A good spiritual armor bearer is going to come alongside you. They're going to remind you who you are in Jesus. They're going to remind you that the blood is sufficient and they're going to remind you that you are God's son, that you are God's daughter and put on that breastplate of righteousness. Next, we see what I call the shoes of peace. Paul said it this way in verse 15, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. We have to remember that whenever we go to battle, that the shoes that we're wearing, they are meant to bring the gospel of peace. Now, let me explain that. I think is something that we really need to recapture in the church. The peace of the gospel is about peace between man and God. So we are enemies of God. If you're here this morning and you're not saved, you haven't been born again, you're an enemy of God. That's what the Bible teaches us. We are enemies of God. We're born enemies of God. But Romans 5 tells us that because of Jesus, we can have peace with God. No longer an enemy, no longer at war, no longer battling God, no longer arguing with God, no longer disobeying God, but now I'm at peace with God. And there is absolutely nothing that can bring peace to the broken soul, nothing that can bring peace peace to a family, to a person, to a community. Nothing brings peace like Jesus. It is the gospel of peace. And we need to remember in the battle that that's what we're trying to bring to people is peace with God. Now that does not mean that it's, you know, that if we're following God, that everything's going to be peaceful. I mean, Jesus said, this kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the, violence take, the violent take it by force. Jesus said, don't be mistaken, I didn't come to bring peace for the whole earth. In fact, faith in me will divide homes. It's gonna, there's there's going to be people that will separate over it. There's going to be mothers that are going to turn against daughter and vice versa. There's going to be dads that turn against sons. And so... The gospel, giving the gospel, and being who God's called us to be as evangelists of the gospel doesn't mean that we are never going to experience conflict. But our goal, the motive of the heart, is to bring peace to people, folks. And you will find that a lot of times in your place of battle, when you're feeling you're in survival mode and you've got to attack or be attacked, you'll find it's real easy to get in the flesh. And we want to hurt people. We want to see people wounded. We want people to pay for what they've done. We want to make a point. We want to win. We want to walk out with our head held high. This is not our shoes being shod with the gospel of peace. And we have this like check in our spirit right here in the middle of the armor 
The, the motive for what we do, brothers and sisters, is bringing the gospel of peace to people. And you'll find some of the ways that looks like as an armor bearer is coming alongside people and reminding people that maybe you were meant for such a time as this. Maybe your role in this is to demonstrate to these people that you really are different, that you don't respond like everybody else responds. Paul said it in Romans chapter 12 when he said, we don't overcome evil with evil, but we overcome evil with good. And that in doing so, you actually reap hot coals upon their head. Like you really want to win this one? Then be kind, love your enemies. If he's hungry, give him something to eat. If he's thirsty, give him something to drink. Our mission is to bring the gospel of peace to people. And I have to be reminded of that when I feel like I'm under attack. I'm not different than anybody else. When I feel like I'm under attack, I want to fight back. If you're going to punch me in the face, I want to punch you in the face. And I have to remember, I need these feet shod with the gospel of peace. And I need people sometimes, armor bearers, to come alongside and remind me of that. Next, we see the shield of faith. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Faith in its purest form is simply believing God. That's what it is. It's believing what God has said. Believing that God is who God says he is, that God's going to do what God said he's going to do, and that I am who God says I am. That's, in essence, that's what faith really is. And you're going to find in the battle, it's where we start to get confused, we start to question. I've been in some really fierce battles in my life, especially younger. The, the more that I know the word, which we're going to get to in just a moment, the harder it becomes. Because now I've got more word to have faith in. But when I was really young, and I'd go through battles, I'd start to question sometimes, well, does, does God really love me? Is God really going to meet my needs? You know, what, does the Bible really say that? Faith is knowing what God has said and believing what God has said. And you're going to find as an armor bearer, this is such an important thing, is to be able to come alongside people in their time of confusion, their time of pain, and be able to speak faith to them. Be able to remind them that, hey, you're a child of God and all things work out for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose. All things. I don't, I'm not saying God's the one that did this to you. I'm not saying that, that this is what God wanted, but I'm telling you that our God is capable to take all things and work them out for our good. He's that good. Maybe it was started out evil, just like Joseph's brothers, but you're going to be able to say the same thing Joseph did. What was meant for evil, God took it and used it good for me. Like our God is capable, and, and so we're speaking faith to one another. It shields us from all these darts of the enemy. And then we have the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. You know, the helmet, I think that it has uh, a couple of references. It's obviously the protector of the mind. It protects that one fatal, easy blow that could end a person's life. But when I think about the helmet of salvation, I'm just going to tell you how I've applied it over the years in my life. I obviously don't believe or know anyone who does believe 
that this means every day we get up and make the decision to be saved. All right, I'm going to be saved today. I'm going to put on salvation today. Wake up tomorrow, I'm going to be saved again. I don't think that's what it's teaching us. But here's what I do see. I see the correlation of the mind and salvation. And I can tell you something. In the darkest fights of my life, nothing has ever given me strength like taking the time to stop and meditate on the fact that I was saved. It's amazing. Like, I'm going to stop thinking about the battle. I'm going to stop thinking about who's coming against me. I'm going to stop thinking about whatever mountain I've got to climb. And I'm just going to think for a moment on the fact that I'm saved. And I start thinking about where I was before God saved me. And I start thinking about who I was before God saved me. And I start thinking about what God saved me out of. And I start thinking about where I would be had God not saved me. And I start thinking about the fact that he is mine and I am his. And all of a sudden, my little problem that was ruining my world 10 minutes earlier, it's like it doesn't even matter anymore because I am saved and I put on that helmet of salvation and I remind myself that no matter what I'm going through, there's a heaven that is ahead of me and there's nothing that I'm going to face in this life that that can take away. I'm going to heaven. I'm saved and I'm God's. As an armor bearer, man, sometimes we don't have to have the answer. We don't always have to know the right thing to tell them. People go through circumstances sometimes and situations that are just hurtful and they're hard and we don't have the words. We don't have a bunch of instructions and directions on what to do. We feel like there's nothing we can do but be like Job's friends and just sit there in silence and mourn with them. But one thing I can always do as an armor bearer is come alongside my saved brothers and sisters and remind them, I don't know why we're going through the things we go through, but I know this. I thank God we're saved. And one of these days, we're going somewhere where we're never going to have to deal with sorrow or pain or suffering or battles or death or sin again. We are going to be with Jesus. Finally, we see the sword of the Spirit. You know, this is the only offensive weapon of all the armor that we are to put on. The belt holds things together. The breastplate is a defensive piece to protect the heart. The shoes, the shield is a defensive piece. The helmet is a defensive piece. But we have the spirit, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is our only weapon And it needs to be wielded carefully. Nothing worse than people trying to hurt people with the word of God. God did not give us his word to hurt us. You remember that. You remember there are folks, Christian folks, that will throw the word of God around with the motive of hurting somebody. They know so-and-so is not going to listen, but they're going to throw it at them anyways. And the real motive is just to hurt them and, and make sure they know that you're a sinner and I know you're a sinner. Shame on you if you've ever done it. Repent of it and don't do it again. You do more damage for the sake of God than you do help when you start trying to use God's holy word as a weapon in that sense. That said, it is a weapon. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. It's a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the hearts of men. 
And we, brothers and sisters, we need to be memorizing this word. We need to be in this word. And when we start talking about righteousness and we start talking about faith and we start talking about truth, it's all tied to the word of God. You will find if you can learn to speak the word of God to your situation, your circumstance, your fears and your worries will begin to recede. You will find as an armor bearer, when you come up alongside somebody that they're struggling, if you have the ability to actually take them to the word of God, quote to them the word of God, applicable to their situation, there is nothing that has more power, offensive power, to start to destroy the arguments of the enemy, the fears and worries and doubts. Nothing destroys it like the word of God. And finally, praying. I want you to look at what Paul said. I want you to see it. I want you to read the word of God. Verse 18, look at it on the screen. Praying at all times in the spirit. Now, I know there are some folks that think that means praying in tongues. I don't. And I believe in praying in tongues. But I do not believe in the spirit is always a reference to praying in tongues. What I want us to see is that there is a difference between saying prayers and praying in the Spirit. There is a difference between just saying words to heaven and really entering into that place where you are consciously connected to God. And it's like what you're praying. It's not the things you know to pray. It's a little bit deeper. It's like the Spirit itself is leading me to pray now. And I'm really talking to God about this situation. And Paul says we need to be praying always that way. As an armor bearer, there is maybe nothing greater that you can do as far as regularly than be praying for the people who you're teamed up with. You folks as a whole... There's probably nothing you can do greater as armor bearers for your spiritual leaders than to be praying for us always in the spirit. You'd be praying for us. As our worship team gets in place, I want to ask a few questions this morning to get you thinking about the response. Question number one. Have you been fighting your battles alone? If so, why? If you'll be honest with yourself this morning, probably one of the primary reasons is pride. You just don't want anybody else to know your battles. And we make up all sorts of excuses for that. But as you've seen this morning, God did not design you to fight your battles alone. So question one, have you been fighting your battles alone? Question two, if you have, who do you know that you could ask to come alongside you and help you in your time of need? Someone you can be honest with. It needs to be somebody you can tell the truth, but as I've already said, it needs to be somebody that's capable of fighting the battle along with you. Speaking truth into your life. Demonstrating. You you want somebody that when you're going to war, you can trust they're going to do the right thing. Next question, are you prepared and ready to be an armor bearer in somebody's life in their time of need? 
Who needs you in their life right now to come alongside them and be their armor?